This is Changeling the Podcast. everyone, this is Puka, and welcome to a somewhat unusual mini-sode of Changeling the Podcast. In this installment, I will be reading you some poems that I feel resonate with the themes of Changeling the Dreaming. This isn't really standard fairy-inspired poetry, but more stuff to do with the nature of dreams, childhood, the loss of innocence, growth and change, madness, bedlam, banality, balance, all of that stuff. And in another part of my life, I have published poetry, I've worked as a poetry editor, etc. So some of these are among my favorite poems, and I hope that they will resonate with you. So I'll give you the name of the poet and the title of the poem before reading each one. I'll include them in the show notes as well so that you can go find them and read them again if you want. And I'm reminded of William Carlos Williams who said that people die every day for lack of what is found in poetry. I'm paraphrasing, but along those lines. And so I hope that Even if you don't think you're into poetry, maybe some of this will, you know, unleash a bit of glamour for you and and maybe give you some ideas to deepen your notions of what Changeling is about. So, without further ado, here we go. We're starting with Emily Dickinson, To Make a Prairie. To make a prairie, it takes a clover and one bee, one clover and a bee, and reverie. The reverie alone will do, if bees are few. I see it as just a simple little poem about dreaming, but, you know, it's very short and sweet. Next is Dandelions by Peter Campion. After the cling of roots and then the puck when they gave way, the recoil up the hand was a small shock of emptiness beginning to expand, milk frothing from the stems, leaves inky green and spiked. Like blissed-out childhood play turned mean, they snarled in tangled curls on our driveway. It happens still, that desolating, falling shudder inside, and then our neighborhood seems only sprawling loops like the patterns eaten on driftwood. Even the home where I grew up, its smell of lingering wood smoke and bacon grease, seems just a shell of lathe and paper. But this strange release follows, this tinge like silver, and I feel the pull of dirt again sense mist uncurling to reveal no architecture hidden behind the world except the stories that we make unfolding as if our sole real power were the power of children holding this flower that is a weed that is a flower next is fern hill by dylan thomas Now as I was young and easy under the apple boughs, about the lilting house, and happy as the grass was green, the night above the dingle starry, time let me hail and climb golden in the heydays of his eyes, and honored among wagons I was prince of the apple towns, and once below a time I lordly had the trees and leaves trail with daisies and barley down the rivers of the windfall light. And as I was green and carefree, 
famous among the barns about the happy yard, and singing as the farm was home. In the sun that is young once only, time let me play and be golden in the mercy of his means. And green and golden I was huntsman and herdsman. The calves sang to my horn, the foxes on the hills barked clear and cold, and the Sabbath rang slowly in the pebbles of the holy streams. All the sun long it was running, it was lovely, the hayfields high as the house, the tunes from the chimneys, it was air and playing, lovely and watery and fire green as grass. And nightly under the simple stars, as I rode to sleep, the owls were bearing the farm away. All the moon long I heard, blessed among stables, the nightjars flying with the ricks, and the horses flashing into the dark. And then to awake, and the farm, like a wanderer white with the dew, come back, the cock on his shoulder. It was all shining, it was Adam and Maiden, the sky gathered again, and the sun grew round that very day. So it must have been after the birth of the simple light in the first spinning place, the spellbound horses walking warm out of the whinnying green stable on to the fields of praise. And honored among foxes and pheasants by the gay house, under the new-made clouds and happy as the heart was long, in the sun borne over and over I ran my heedless ways, my wishes raced through the house-high hay, and nothing I cared at my sky-blue trades that time allows in all his tuneful turning so few in such morning songs before the children green and golden follow him out of grace nothing i cared in the lamb white days that time would take me up to the swallow thronged loft by the shadow of my hand in the moon that is always rising nor that riding to sleep i should hear him fly with the high fields and wake to the farm forever fled from the childless land Oh, as I was young and easy in the mercy of his means, time held me green and dying, though I sang in my chains like the sea. That one is one of my favorite poems ever, so I just wanted to include that. But I think it speaks volumes about sort of childhood and growing up in adolescence and the sort of blurry line between dream and reality that we sort of, that we kind of lose as we grow older. Something that I imagine changelings try to cling to. So now veering into more about, I guess, madness and frustrations and the sort of pent-up energy bursting outward, the dangerous aspects of glamour. This is My Brother at 3 a.m. by Natalie Diaz. He sat cross-legged, weeping on the steps, when Mom unlocked it, opened the front door. Oh God, he said, oh God, he wants to kill me, Mom. When Mom unlocked it, opened the front door at 3 a.m., she was in her nightgown. Dad was asleep. He wants to kill me, he told her, looking over his shoulder. 3 a.m. and in her nightgown, Dad asleep. What's going on, she asked. Who wants to kill you? He looked over his shoulder. The devil does. Look at him, over there. She asked, what are you on? Who wants to kill you? The sky wasn't black or blue, but the green of a dying night. The devil, look at him, over there. He pointed to the corner house. The sky wasn't black or blue, but the dying green of night. Stars had closed their eyes or sheathed their knives. My brother pointed to the corner house, his lips flickered with sores. Stars had closed their eyes or sheathed their knives. Oh God, I can see the tail, he said. Oh God, look. Mom winced at the sores on his lips. It's sticking out from behind the house. Oh God, see the tail, he said. Look at the goddamn tail. He sat cross-legged, weeping on the front steps. Mom finally saw it, a hellish vision, my brother. Oh God, oh God, she said.
Next is The Woman at the Washington Zoo by Randall Jarrell. The saris go by me from the embassies, cloth from the moon, cloth from another planet. They look back at the leopard like the leopard. And I, this print of mine that has kept its color alive through so many cleanings, this dull null navy I wear to work and wear from work, and so to my bed, so to my grave, with no complaints, no comment, neither from my chief, the deputy chief assistant, nor his chief, only I complain. This serviceable body that no sunlight dies, no hand suffuses, but dome-shadowed, withering among columns, wavy beneath fountains, small, far-off, shining in the eyes of animals, these beings trapped as I am trapped, but not themselves the trap, aging, but without knowledge of their age, kept safe here, knowing not of death for death. O oh, bars of my own body, open, open. The world goes by my cage and never sees me, and there come not to me as come to these, the wild beasts, sparrows pecking the llama's grain, pigeons settling on the bear's bread, buzzards tearing the meat the flies have clouded. Vulture, when you come for the white rat that the fox has left, take off the red helmet of your head, the black wings that have shadowed me and stepped to me as man. The wild brother at whose feet the white wolves fawn, to whose hand of power the great lioness stalks, purring. You know what I was, you see what I am. Change me, change me. Very puka poem, in a sense. I lived in D.C. for a little while, and this poem absolutely rings true, because there are parts of D.C. that you kind of walk through and encounter, and it is just... You want to talk about banality nine environments. That is very difficult to walk through sometimes. So. Next is Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Famously, the poem came to him in a dream and he was interrupted by the arrival of a friend who he called uh, the person from Porlock, and Porlock being some town nearby, I suppose. And as soon as the friend kind of knocked on his door, the poem vanished from his brain and he lost the remainder of it. So. Consider this poem unfinished, although all poems, in a sense, remain unfinished. But this is very much a probably laudanum-addled dream that, you know, expresses this sort of fantastic madness that is characteristic of the dreaming, in my opinion. Anyway. In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles of fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round, and there were gardens bright with sinuous rills, where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree, and here were forests ancient as the hills, enfolding sunny spots of greenery. But oh, that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedarn cover, a savage place, as holy and enchanted as e'er beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover. And from this chasm, with ceaseless turmoil seething, as if this earth in fast thick pants were breathing, a mighty fountain momently was forced, amid whose swift half-intermitted burst huge fragments vaulted like rebounding hail, or chaffy grain beneath the thresher's flail. And mid these dancing rocks at once and ever it flung up momently the sacred river, five miles meandering with a mazy motion, through wood and dale the sacred river ran, then reached the caverns, measureless to man, and sank in tumult to a lifeless ocean. 
And mid this tumult Kubla heard from far ancestral voices prophesying war. The shadow of the dome of pleasure floated midway on the waves, where was heard the mingled measure from the fountain and the caves. It was a miracle of rare device, a sunny pleasure dome with caves of ice. A damsel with a dulcimer in a vision once I saw. It was an Abyssinian maid, and on her dulcimer she played, singing of Mount Abora. Could I revive within me her symphony and song? To such a deep delight twould win me, that with music loud and long I would build that dome in air, that sunny dome, those caves of ice, and all who heard should see them there, and all should cry, Beware! Beware! His flashing eyes, his floating hair, weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honeydew hath fed, and drunk the milk of paradise. So that's kind of a bedlam poem, and now on the other side of things, one of the most cutting poems about banality that I know. This is To Be by Tony Gligler. I am the man who lives in apartment 2B. I go to work, come back late, pick up the mail, throw garbage down the chute. I nod, smile at neighbors, speak in short sentences, keep my doorstep clean, buy candy bars from kids who knock at my door, tip the janitor at Christmas. The phone rarely rings and no one visits. I keep the windows shut, shades pulled down. The walls are bare, painted bone white. The tub needs scrubbing and I never make the bed. My wife took my two daughters, moved to Phoenix in April, and my last good kiss was six months ago. Tonight I will open white cartons, eat beef and broccoli with chopsticks, watch the Knicks beat the pistons on cable, sit at my desk, try to write one perfect line. I'll shut all the lights, lie down in bed, rub my cock as though I were Aladdin with one wish left. Kind of like a poet after Rhapsody. So then two short ones from Langston Hughes, Dreams and Harlem. So Dreams is, Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field, frozen with snow. And then one of his most famous poems, and probably one of the most famous poems in the American canon, Harlem. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin and the sun, or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat, or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? And then lastly, this one I really like for its sort of overall human voice and then the little dreamy quality of it, the sort of fantastical quality, and ultimately optimistic, uplifting note at the end. This is The Light Factory by Sandy Gingras. I work the night shift at the light factory. The gears of the conveyor belt slip silently, and emptiness goes by me, one segment at a time. I have to take the dark in my gloved hands and make something of it, then connect it to something else. Someone further along the line bends it, I think. Nobody really knows much about the other guy's job here. We just do our part. There are no windows in this factory. The air is like milk, and they pump in music that has a beat so we don't fall asleep on the job, but we still do. 
My mother says I should get a real job, make something solid out of my life. There's enough light as there is, she lectures me. There's the sun and the stars, she says, as if I don't know this already. What do you do in there, she asks. I don't want to tell her how much we joke around, tell stories, talk about men. I can't really describe it, I tell her. I do it mostly by feel. Sometimes I bring one of the seconds home with me after my shift. They don't like it when you do this, but everyone sneaks some. I go home at dawn, put it on my dresser next to the open window, watch it fan out like a wild thing into the pink sky. I don't know why it feels so good to let it go. And that's glamour in a nutshell, I believe. Anyway, thanks for humoring my poetic inclinations. And again, I hope that this has maybe generated some thoughts, some images, some ideas that might stick with you and help inform your gaming practice, your ideas of what Changeling the Dreaming can encompass and the kinds of themes and moods that go into it. This is just a small sample. I mean, there are hundreds, thousands of poems more that could fit in in various ways. But anyway, this has been a mini-sode of Changeling the Podcast. I've been your host, Puka, and until our next installment, keep on dreaming.